Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored loving memory and Le'ilui Nishmatem Shel Aziza Abu Hasera Bat Simchala Vashalom and Bat Sheva Bat Sultana Dahan Aleha Hashalom, sponsored by Avraham Moshe Tojiman. Rabotai, this week we are told about the fact that Moshe Rabenu was commanded to count all of the Jewish people. And there's a lot of different elements of this counting that bear uh, closer inspection. But I'd like to focus this morning with you on one element of it. God says that each Jew, instead of counting them uh, by their heads, instead of counting each person uh, as a number, rather I'd, uh, I would want you to uh, have a magbite collection where each person gives per head a half of a shekel. And when they give this half of a shekel, then I'm able to count. At the end, I count half shekels instead of people, and I know how many, how many people there are. He ashir, the rich person, lo Ve'adal, and the poor person, lo not not less. Everyone has to give a half a shekel. First of all, I always thought that was fascinating. We're not going to talk about this today, but I just want to throw the question at you, maybe for one other day this week. It's a system of counting. Does God really need to tell you that a rich person can't give two shekel? Like, how would that work? We're trying to count the people. You have a poor guy, a guy wants to give a quarter of a shekel. They're going to count his money afterwards. So obviously, you can't give a shekel because then it will count you as two. So there's well, it's an obvious question that needs, that needs to be, uh, to be uh, uh, uncovered. Um, but, but that's not our topic for today. To me, today, what I'd like to kind of point out is something that is it's a, just flabbergasting. Moshe Rabbeinu, after receiving what seems to be the most straightforward, simple instructions, get each person, each person gives a half a shekel, not more, not less, and then we'll count the shekels. That's it. Moshe says, was davar. He didn't understand. Now, there are three times that Moshe Rabbeinu does not understand what Hashem wants. One of them is menorah, one of them is shekalim, and one of them is pashat, Hachodesh, the simplest and easiest way to remember this is those are the letters of his name. Menorah, Shekel, Hachodesh. Fascinating. The three things that Moshe Rabbeinu does not understand make up the letters of his name. Now it actually, it makes sense because of all the names of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu had many names. The Gemara elucidates each of them. Shmaya, Tuvia, Avigdor, Avisocho, all these different names. All of them illustrated that which was special about Moshe. Avi Socho, Avi Kol Asachim the father of all that, uh, that managed to understand have Nivuah. Avigdor, the father of all the people who gave Gidarim, gave laws to the people. Shmaya, he heard God. Tuvia, he was good unto God. He was born and the house was filled with light. That's part of the name of Tuvia. So all of these things, they describe how great Moshe Rabbeinu was. The one name of Moshe, which has nothing to do with Moshe or his greatness is Moshe ki min hamayim mishitiu. The reason why Moshe was given that name, why God chose that name to call him in the Torah is because it befit a man of utter humility to have a name which was not about himself. So too, it also makes sense that the name of Moshe only describes the three elements that Moshe had trouble understanding and doesn't point out any of the things that Moshe Rabbeinu understood as the greatest Tal- Talmudic and Torah scholar that we've ever had, the greatest repository of God's knowledge that ever existed. And yet his name is made up of the three things he didn't understand. Now, 
I understand menorah is difficult to get because really it was a marvel of human creation if you think about it. They were obligated to take a block of gold, bang it out into all these uh, you know, intricate designs, and they were not allowed to cut it at all. Now, we see beautiful things all the time. We don't understand how Moshe Rabbeinu could understand it, but they had to do it only with a hammer, and they would need to hit the gold one way, and then hit it the other way, and then hit the other way, hit it the other way, and then eventually, out of this block of gold, turn it into an intricate menorah. Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, I don't understand exactly how you want me to do it. Says the, the Midrash, and each time it says the same thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him. Hashem showed him. He pointed to the Levana and he said, Kazu, Kadesh. You see, when the moon looks like this, exactly like this, by the way, Kiddush HaKodesh in Harambam is very difficult. Many, many chapters, it's very confusing. I get it. Moshe Rabbeinu is looking at it. He needs to be told like this, exactly like this. This is how you make Kadesh HaKodesh. Comes the menorah, also very complicated. Hashem, it says, he showed him a menorah shel esh. He showed him on the mountain of Arsina. He showed him a demut, a picture made out of fire of the menorah. But then it comes to the half a coin. And what does Hashem show him? A half a coin made out of fire. Hazaku Baruch. That you needed to show me? I can imagine Hashem saying, what don't you understand? A half a shekel. Moshe is like, no, I don't get it. No, no, you do get it. A half a shekel. You know the shekel? Yeah, half of it. That one. The one in your pocket. That mounted of course to buy a soda. Right? I could imagine HaKadosh Baruch Hu is capable of explaining the, the, the concept of a, of a machatiz shekel to Moshe Rabbeinu without showing a, an image of fire to him. And more than that, why did Moshe need to be shown an image of fire instead of actually showing him an image of a coin? And if you think that that's not something that God does, actually open up in the Navi Zechariah, you'll see that he shows Zechariah a menorah. Do you remember that? Ma ataro'e, he asks him. And he tells him that he sees a menorah. And he explains exactly what he sees. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is capable of showing him anything in a vision. Why does he need to show it him out of fire? And the answer is that what Moshe Rabbeinu was nitkasheh, what he, what he struggled with, was this concept that you could identify and count a Jew, that there could be a representation of a Jew in something as simple as money. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God responds with a coin made of fire. The concept of fire always represents passion, whether it's positive or negative. And that passion and that fire is either something constructive that you can build with, you can cook with, you can heat with, you can warm with, or you can burn or raise something or a marriage or a business or trust or a friendship. You could raise it to the ground. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe Rabbeinu is, I'm not counting them by the money. I'm counting them by the passion with which they give their sedaka, with which they fulfill their mitzvah and their obligations. There is a possibility to bring the fire of Kiddushah, the Esh Torah, into every single physical aspect. Rabotai, it's an amazing thing. You know, before we do mitzvot, we have a prayer that we say, L'Shem Yichud Berichu. We say to the the unity of God's name, to sanctify, etc., etc. We make this beautiful preparation, and when you say that prayer, before you enter into a mitzvah, it gives you that focus, where you say, I'm doing this mitzvah because God wants me to. Which again, sounds like a funny thing to do. Like, what other reason would you have for lighting a menorah? What other reason would you have to put on tefillin or talet or to do shiluah hakan, other than the fact that God commanded you to? But the problem is that 
even though we know that conceptually, when we come down to the mitzvah, a lot of times we're so busy with the minutia of the mitzvah, the fulfillment of the mitzvah, we forget that it is a mitzvah, that I'm doing something that God commanded me to do, to elevate my neshama, to connect with him, to speak, so to speak, his language, etc., etc. So when you make l'shem yichud, it focuses you. Now, could you imagine though, if, I'm not saying we should, but we made l'shem yichud before we went to work in the morning. Could you imagine that? I'm going to work, to, I'm going to close today with Walmart, L'Shem Yichud, Could you imagine that? First of all, it would sound a little bit funny to us. But the truth is, that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is explaining to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, you do not understand. You're too spiritual of a leader to understand that there can be something spiritual in the utmost physicality. So much so that Moshe Rabbeinu have another fight, not just over the Shekel HaKodesh, but also over the time when uh, the, the, uh, the donations to the Mishkan, when they're making the Kiyor, at the end of the parasha, we discover this idea, the concept of the Kiyor. The Kiyor was the, uh, the washing station that they had outside of the Mishkan, where the Kohanim would wash their hands and their feet. I just had a beautiful moment with my son. We went to the Kotel Amaravi, to the Wailing Wall, to the Western Wall, and outside there's those little sinks, and my son says, what are these sinks? Why are, we, why are we washing our hands over here? Did we get dirty on the way? And I explained to him the idea of what it meant to have a kiyor outside the Beit HaMikdash where the Kohanim would wash their hands. I said, it's not us, it's not the Kohanim, it's not the kiyor, but we have an extra level of tahara before we come to one of the holiest places on earth. And he's washing his hands and he says, is there a special beracha? Like he was, it was amazing, it was so beautiful. Rabbi the kiyor allowed for the tahara, for the purity, to be able to go into the holiest place on earth. So they needed copper, they needed nechoshet for it. And the women brought the marot hatsovot. They brought their mirrors that were made out of copper. They couldn't afford silver or, uh, or gold back then, but they had these copper mirrors. It also worked, it was a reflective surface. And it was the mirrors that they used in Egypt, it says, when their husbands would come back from the work, exhausted, you know, unable, robbed of hope. And the wives would say, they would stand up the mirrors, they would dress up very uh, beautifully and very uh, uh, attractive, and they would stand in front of the mirror with their husband, and they would make their husband look at them and themselves in the mirror, and they would provoke and arouse their husband's uh, levels of intimacy and desire through those mirrors. And they would say, And through that process, when their husbands were engaged and decided that they wanted to get, even though they had previously thought, what am I going to have children for? Just so they should be slaves. They had no hope. I'm like, forget it. Life is over. Let me just go to work. Let me just go to bed. A little bit of food in me. A little bit of rest so I could survive another day. And the woman revived the hope in their husbands. And they built the future generation of the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu said, this object was used for the bedroom. How can I take something from the boudoir and use that for the kior? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit that something which is used for the extreme physicality should then be transferable to something which is spiritual. Moshe's product, Moshe's nature, was because he was so close to God, he was so uh, engaged with God on such a high level, that he, he, he moves away from his wife from Tzipporah, because he's the highest level of Nivua. But God says, that's for you. That's for the one person that I could appear to at any time. I get it, that's you. You're different. But for all of them, for the rest of humanity, their lives are a constant stream of engagement in the physical world. You rob them of the spiritual and the physical. You give them only a couple moments every day. 
Let them have spirituality at work. Let their money be fire. Let their marot, let their marot, that be part of the kior. There's something pure there. The intentions there were pure. The intentions were to build Am Yisrael. And therefore, there's an element of Kiddushah, even though it's not an object you would normally associate with the Beit HaMikdash. Rabutai, we could spend our whole lives getting a couple mitzvot here or there, or we could transform all that in-between time to something else. You know what I like to call this? I like to call this a business expense. You know, you're allowed to write off if you go for a business meeting with someone. You could pay for the lunch on your business credit card. It's potentially even tax deductible. It's a business expense, right? Is that, I'm not saying when you're sketching it and you're saying that your wife is your partner and then you, you build them for the business for Valentine's Day. I'm saying when you actually have a business meeting, no problem. It's something that you need in order to run your business. God is the same. You have mitzvot that you do, you charge him for them. Fantastic. But what about all the things that I needed to do in order to do the mitzvot? I could have my workday be a business expense for olam haba, for shamayim. I could have God say to me that all this activity and everything that I'm doing and this love and loving relationship between me and my wife, it could be something selfish that I'm using for my own desire or it could be something holy. What's the difference? The difference is if you bring the fire to the money, if you bring the passion, the nishama, the kiddushah to the object, and you think to yourself, I want to do something right. You know, you have to raise a lot of money. A lot of your work is going to go to paying for Jewish schooling for your kids. That means that so much of your work day is literally so that your children could learn Torah. Did you think about that? Think about the percentage of your, of your income that's going to go to Kodesh things. That means that that percentage of your work day is literally a direct correlation to the fire of the money, the fire of the, of the, uh, of the shekel HaKodesh. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu allow us to infuse all of these things with beauty and spirituality. And may our lives become transformed through that to a life of purity, to a life of growth, and a life of development. Be'ezat Hashem. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.